A doctor normally saves lives one at a time. Medical schools maybe do it a few hundred at a time, but schools of public health save lives at a, at a population level. Uh, and, and that is through communicating the right information to the people effectively. Welcome to Unlocking Potential, a conversation with Tanato Foundation. We live in a challenging and interesting time, accentuated by the pandemic that we are still experiencing now. One area that we are all reminded is the importance on health. I am Satrio Tanujoyo, CEO of Tanato Foundation, and today we are very privileged to have Professor Chong Yap Seng, the Dean of the Yonglunri School of Medicine at the National University of Singapore. Professor Chong Yap Seng is going to share with us his insights on the topics of medical research, education, and philanthropy. Professor Chong Yap Seng has a lot of achievement and a lot of posts to hold. I cannot mention all of them, but please allow me to mention a few of them. Professor Chong Yap Seng is the Chief Clinical Officer at the Singapore Institute for Clinical Sciences at the Agency of Sciences, Technology and Research, normally called ASTAR. He is a senior consultant in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the National University Hospital. And for those who do not know yet, Professor Chong Yap Seng is the lead principal investigator of GASTO. G-U-S-T-O, which stands for Growing Up in Singapore Towards Healthy Outcomes. GASTO is Singapore's largest and most comprehensive birth cohort study. Yap Seng, let me start with a very basic question. Mm -hmm. Why is medical research important? And please share with us the state of medical research in Singapore and in Asia regions. Right. Well, that's, thank you, Satrio. That's a very important question. So medical research is important because um, you know, it's been proven time and again that healthcare systems that do research always end up delivering better healthcare uh, and providing better medical care for people who need it. So for that reason, it's an activity that is important to Singapore uh, and it's important that Singapore does this at the very highest level. Right? So that's, that's one reason. It's just that uh, by doing research, you always improve uh, the kind of care that you deliver. Second reason is that um, much of the research that has been done in medicine and healthcare has, has always been from the West. And when I say West, I mean, you know, uh, US, America, Europe, uh, and also, of course, uh, the Australia as well. So, um, and the populations and the cultures and even the food and environments that in these places are very different from what we have in Asia. So it's important to have an uh, Asian uh, research uh, activity so that we can actually see uh, the differences between uh, the biologies of Asian people, as well as the diets, environments, and the cultures, and how that affects the health and disease patterns in this part of the world. In the past, I think one of the, one of the things that tended to be said is that when you do a study in Singapore, it's, a, it's usually a me too study. You know, we're just copying whatever they did in the West and then people dismiss it. But actually, uh, Gasto, for example, growing up in Singapore towards healthy outcomes, has shown that it's very important to study your own local situation. And you'll find uh, trends and, and uh, findings that you never would have expected, um, you know, because we are different. 
So I think that's one thing that is important to, to have, is to have our own research uh, properly conducted. That's very important. But we have to have our own research so we can understand our own situation and come up with solutions that actually fit the local situation. So it's situation. not only that geographically different, but also demographically and also biologically different. That's right. Uh, and, and culturally and, and also through the diets yeah, as well. That emphasizes the importance of having a medical research also for the Asian uh, That's right. population. Yes. So I understand that, you know, from the statistic, uh, from the average of 81.7 years of age, you know, for Singapore in 2010, probably. And then uh, now in 2020s, it becomes 83.9 years old of av of, uh, in average uh, of yeah. age. So that must be also the result of the medical research that has been performed, that we have been performing. Right? Yes. So you just mentioned that the, the life expectancy at birth, yeah. right, that has increased uh, nicely in Singapore. And it's probably one of the highest in the world now. Um, and uh, is that a direct result of uh, medical research? Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> would hesitate to say that. I, I think it's a direct result of the level of health uh, services that Singapore is able to provide to its citizens. Um, and so the, so the healthcare that has uh, been provided has improved. And that is a result of research from everywhere in the world. Right. right? And of course, the public health services as well. It's just providing clean water, yeah. uh, good and yeah. uh, healthy environments. That's also contributed to the... Uh, increase in the healthy uh, in the in a life expectancy. Well, the life expectancy has increased, but uh, I think with life expectancy increases, we also hope that the health span increases. I guess you agree with that statement. Yes. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So um, you know, health health span or healthy life expectancy uh, uh, doesn't it it follows the uh, life expectancy but it's not exactly the same. So it's unfortunate. That means, uh, so for example, in Singapore, you mentioned uh, the mean life expectancy at birth is uh, 83.9 or whatever, yeah. right? Um, but the, there's a difference, first of all, between men and women. So for, for men, it's uh, 81.5 maybe for, uh, for life expectancy at birth. And for women, it's maybe 86 point something, oh, you know? Yeah. So there's a, first of all, there's a difference between women and men. And then same for the healthy life expectancy. So for men, the healthy life expectancy is uh, up to maybe about uh, 73 years of age. And for women, it's longer, 75, okay. 76. So the, for men, there's an eight-year gap between healthy life expectancy and actual life expectancy. And for women, there's a 12-year gap or 11-year 11, 11 gap. And that means that, that for this eight years or 11 years, uh, you are... On average, the people, the men and women are not so healthy. That means they start to have a significant disease mm. that mm. will affect their life quality uh, and and obviously the health, and affects the country in terms of economic burden to Definitely. provide the healthcare yeah. for them. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that actually in Asia it's very important to do the, the medical research here because the, the biology is different, the culture is different. Tanoto Foundation has been supporting in the Asian prevalent diseases such as diabetes, cardiovascular medicine and also oncology. We also spot the establishment of Viramix, viral uh, research and experimental medicine center at the Singh Health at Duke and US. That's very important. Yeah. Do you see any gap and where are the gaps actually and what should we address? One thing is to do something that is newer, that, you, that the organization feels is important. Of course, there's, there are also, uh, you know, where the, where the organizations feel certain diseases are probably more important or have been neglected in the local situation, mm. right? Yeah. So I think like, for example, the, you funded a, a virus research. That's not, um, uh, I would say, an area that before COVID, uh, every, that people are too focused on. 
So it's a good that you had the foresight to yeah, go into the area. That was before COVID, actually. Yes, that was yes. in 2017, yes, even, yes. right? Yes, very, very timely. Yeah. Yes. But we do a lot of research now. But at the same time, without the talents, not much can we do. Maybe you have something that you can share with us about okay. how the talents in medical, uh, medical world or medical research world. Okay, so I think in Singapore, we, we are in a very fortunate situation. First of all, we, we have a lot of talent uh, that we produce ourselves. So a lot of local talent. But on top of that, a lot of people actually come to Singapore. Uh, um, you know, so yeah. we also uh, draw talent from around the world. Maybe not as much as certain countries like the US, but still we have a very good uh, inflow or influx of talent. I think, uh, so we, we probably don't have too much of an issue. I guess one thing though is, of course, we are still a small country. So the, uh, the depth of talent will always be less than really big countries. So I, I think uh, the one thing here is that um, it's important for us to have a right benchmarks. When we look at talent, we need to compare ourselves with the best in the world. Don't look at you know what's best in Singapore, what's best in Asia. That's not good enough uh, for us. We need to really uh, be... Uh, blindly honest, <laughs> uh, or frankly honest, sorry, uh, to, to with ourselves to sort of really uh, aim at a standard that is the very best because that's what we owe our people. Uh, so but one thing though in, in uh, attracting talent, I think we have to be very uh, cognizant of the fact that we don't want to cause a brain drain from the surrounding regions that maybe, uh, you know, uh, to, to bring people from them, from those countries over to us. If we do bring them over for training, we should uh, you know, do our best to send them back so that they can contribute to their own countries. We don't want to be a, a brain drain uh, for, for the region. That means that Singapore can also be the hub for some training yes, and so some dissemination so. of the knowledge that we yes. have achieved yes. through the medical research, something yes. like that. Yes. And I, I remember that actually Singapore has about 15,000 uh, doctors, mm -hmm. right? And it's about... Uh, 2.5 doctors for yes. 1,000 population, more or less right. like that. You, you just mentioned that we must have good quality of, of, of medical staff, etc. How about the quantity itself, actually? Yeah, so I think the quantity-wise, we, we, doctors probably we are not uh, drastically short of, of doctors. Uh, um, we, we, we train about 500 uh, medical uh, graduates a year, right? Um, and... Uh, but and then we have a lot of other uh, Singaporeans who actually go overseas for their own training, medical training, and they come back. Uh, and then on top of that, we still probably still uh, import uh, foreign doctors here because they want to come and work here. I, I think the, the place where we are short is nursing. Um, and nursing uh, is, is a, uh, nurses and actually other allied health services. I think that's where we, can, uh, we might face some shortages. Uh, especially when the workforce in Singapore starts to shrink because our total fertility rate is dropping uh, and our population is fast aging. So, you know, in, in less than 10 years, we will reverse the number of um, people who are young versus old and our workforce every year is going to get smaller and smaller and especially in the critical areas in nursing and allied health, we might face a, a, a shortage. You know that Tanoto Foundation has been also a giving a scholarship yes. in, actually in your school. Yes, uh, thank you very uh, much. For, 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 the, for the students, for the medical yes. uh, doctor students. Uh, and until now, we have uh, more than 100 Tanoto scholars mm -hmm. and more than 50% of them are practicing doctors. Yes. Uh, and recently, very recently, actually, Tanoto Foundation also has evolved our, our program, uh, not only giving bursary 
because we believe that education, our quality education actually is equal opportunity. Therefore, not only that we help them because uh, they need uh, or they financially need mm -hmm. the help, mm -hmm. but also we equip them with uh, leadership uh, development skills or leadership development training yes. uh, in which that, uh, we give them a structured leadership uh, training program. We call this BEACON. It stands for Be Empowered and Active to Contribute to the Nations. It's a great acronym. In your views, what is the importance of leadership skill for doctors and nurses and also for, in general, for the medical uh, personnel? Oh, I, think it's, I think it's critical. It's very, very important. And I, you know, I, I think, again, your organization has uh, had great foresight to go into this space. So um, training a doctor just to take care of uh, sick people uh, it's, 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 it's important, but it's only one of the things that doctors can do. And uh, uh, doctors are also expected to lead teams, teams of other doctors, teams of allied health people and nurses. Uh, and often doctors are tasked with setting up uh, health systems. So it's important that uh, doctors are prepared for this extended role, right? Medical school normally doesn't sort of uh, expect, sort of train you to be a leader. So it's important to have that particular focus on building these skills. Um, and, uh, you know, with the world is changing very fast, right? So uh, a few critical areas would be data. There's so much data being generated now because everything is computer. Uh, you know, you enter everything on computers, so mm. it becomes digital data. And the ability to handle data, to understand and clean the data and curate it so that it guides your action is important. Uh, the ability to use technology. There's so many forms of technology that has improved healthcare. Uh, again, it's, it's something that the doctors must be uh, good at. And then with all this new data, new technology, you need to be able to regulate the use of the, this, this uh, new modalities. So again, being able to understand ethics deeply, understand regulatory uh, issues uh, is another thing that um, doctors need to grapple with, right? And then uh, very importantly, especially for Singapore, is that where, you know, generally I would say the people are a little bit risk averse. They don't like to fail. Mm -hmm. um, or seen, be seen to fail. Uh, and I think that needs also to be changed, that, that mindset, so that you know, people become more adventurous, more entrepreneurial, so that they can uh, you know, explore new areas, do things in different ways. So uh, not only that doctors need to master the medical uh, component itself, but also the portable skills, I say, yes, yes. That, that he needs, for example, you mentioned about entrepreneurship, you yeah. mentioned about... Uh, risk taking and all these kind of things, right? So if you look at uh, you know, the new thinking around talent, right? Uh, I think right now, people are no longer satisfied with competencies and skills. You know? They're looking at potential. So, and potential, if you want to define it in, you know, in characteristics, it will be like mm. four characteristics. One is curiosity. Two is insight. Three is engagement. And four is determination. So you need to have curiosity so that you're always learning and uh, trying to, and questioning, is this the only way to do this particular task? You need to have insight so that you can grasp the situation fast, uh, understand uh, what's required. You need engagement because for you to do anything new successfully, you need to bring people along with you. You need to be able to engage people, and especially in a, in a digital age where everything is so technological. You need to have those soft skills to, you know, to uh, always remain human and to bring humans along with you. And finally, determination. So you need to have that ability to follow through and complete what you start. And you need to have resilience so that when things don't go the way you expect it, you can still uh, persist and, and finish. Let's what repeat you, those you four things. Curiosity. Curiosity. Insight. Insight. Engagement. Engagement. Determination. And determination. And we really hope that uh, our program, Beacon, 
also equip the doctors and the medical sure staff with, yeah. with, with, uh, with these four uh, qualities that you have okay, or attributes. Yapsang, you mentioned that actually doctors also need to lead team, also need to deal with public, also need to, uh, not only doctors, also the, the medical staff, uh, nurses included, right? That they need to also deal with public health. Yeah. But in terms of public health, actually, uh, the pandemic has uh, informed us or has shown us that we have a lot of things to do in public health, in the awareness, for example, uh, also uh, in how people get a bit hesitated being vaccinated, etc. right? And Tanoto Foundation also has been ramping up our program in, uh, for example, in the how we help the authority to make sure that people do not have this uh, uh, vaccination hesitancies. And also in the uh, mother and child care. And in, in, in general, in the public health, uh, understanding the public health, there seems to be a big gap here. What do you have to say about that? Uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. So I, I, uh, and this comes back to the fact that um, um, doctors don't shouldn't be only focused on disease and thinking how to treat a sick patient. They need to be able to communicate uh, to the public about health and what people should do to take care of themselves. So um, you know, so you mentioned vaccine uh, hesitancy, right? So that's a, that is a one where uh, education of the public uh, and then uh, you know debunking misinformation. Uh, is very important. So that's where a doctor has to step up, take a public face and, you know, uh, com be committed to educating the public. Uh, and the other thing is that, of course, uh, doctors as, um, uh, are often, you know, trusted. Uh, in Whatever they say, most people believe them. So I think uh, you have that moral and professional authority that uh, doctors should exercise responsibly. So uh, it's important doctors don't uh, make their own causes uh, something that they, they push, right? They should, you know, uh, do what is best for the community. Uh, always bear that in mind and be, you know, wary of saying things that uh, could uh, mislead people. So I, I think uh, that is very important. And that's one of the skills, uh, the engagement skill, you know, mm. um, that be able to bring people along. So I think doctors need to be good communicators of science, uh, especially for the good of the community. So there's a difference, actually, between a doctor treating a patient and a doctor facing the public health? Yes. The Bloomberg School of uh, Public Health in Johns Hopkins, they have a wonderful slogan. Uh, and the slogan is saving lives millions at a time. <laughs> so a doctor normally saves lives one at a time. Medical schools maybe do it a few hundred at a time, but you know, public schools of public health save lives at a, at a population level. Uh, and, and that is through communicating the right information to the people effectively. So uh, I can tell you, eat healthily, exercise more, um, and and you know that's that's simple. But it's not going to convince most people. You got to you know be able to convince them to why why me particularly, uh, and you know, I need to understand what you're talking about. So that ability to have the insight uh, in, into people's psyche as to what are they thinking, what matters to them, um, and then conveying it messages that actually target those uh, you know. Motivate, uh, personal motivations in people. That, that's a skill of a public health education. How do you address that gap? Yes, so uh, important question. So I, I think, uh, you know, one of the uh, sk skills or attributes I mentioned that, that ability to engage people and bring them along is important, right? So uh, knowing how to um, convince people uh, in, in a language that they can understand uh, is one of those things. And uh, I think we should start uh, uh, cultivating this sort of uh, uh, skill 
uh, in medical school uh, for doctors and then uh, in schools of public health uh, for, you know, for other people uh, and, and for doctors as well. So um, basically knowing that that's an important part of the curriculum, that the ability to, uh, to communicate effectively uh, and convince people um, you know, is, is an important part of being a doctor and a, and a leader in the healthcare system. Yeah, saying you know, we talk about uh, medical research, we talk about the education of the medical staff, and we also talk about public health and how to address that. Mm -hmm. okay. How a philanthropy organization like Tanoto Foundation can identify and contribute more on the gap of the medical research. But probably, if I may ask you this question, is uh, in general, not only on the medical research, but also in other, in education, as well as in the uh, uh, public health, how, come, how, how can a partnership with philanthropy can be strengthened for medical, more medical research, for example, and other things, please? Right. Uh, thank you. I, I think that's a very important question. Um, and I would say the, the, uh, the role that the philanthropic organizations can play that um, other funders can't do would be in funding uh, areas of research that are newer and more cutting edge. And some of these areas would be like uh, aging or how to mm. age healthily. So that's one area. Another area is, uh, is maybe enhancing human potential, right? So there you can, you can enhance human potential by uh, altering early life environments and factors to uh, you know, optimize uh, an individual's development. You can also do that not only at early life, but in midlife and later life so that people arrive at an older age in a healthier state. So yeah. that's again enhancing health span. Um, and then um, it's also looking for areas that um, people haven't quite uh, it's not that fashionable. So, for example, in Singapore, we are uh, dealing with a problem of a, uh, of a fast aging population. And, you know, when you say fast aging, you've got to qualify that Singaporeans don't age faster than anybody else, right? The trouble is that we are not replacing ourselves with having more children. So the population as the demographic gets older mm. and older, um, uh, and we don't have enough young people coming into the system to you know, take care of us uh, going forward. So maybe one, one thing is to look at how to reverse that fertility decline. That's another area that um, I would say is not a fashionable area of, mm. uh, fun, uh, for funders to, to support. So I think this is where if the, the organization sees the need, uh, the gap, then they should come in, right? And, and, and the other thing is, of course, to um, fund uh, interventions that you feel are important but may not be so uh, scientifically interesting to a funder. So if you see that there's one gap in the community that uh, a particular intervention can help with, let's say if you find that there's some uh, learning difficulties that children mm. are facing and you think that you can do something to improve that, um, uh, you may want to go in fast, uh, prove that, it, that uh, this intervention works or doesn't work. If it doesn't work, then we move on to something else. Right? If it does work, you should then hand over to the government to consider to turn it into a... Because philanthropists can take more risk. That's right. right? You're, much, you're much more yeah. nimble. You, you're not so... You don't, you don't have to answer to uh, like a cabinet. Uh, yeah. you know? uh, so I think you have a lot more flexibility. Uh, and that's, I think, the, the, where uh, philanthropic organizations really uh, can prove their worth. How about in the field of education? Yeah, so I think education as well uh, is, is another area. So 
Um, I know Tanato has supported lots of scholarships and bursaries uh, in tertiary education and so forth. And I think that's, that's very important. But I think uh, your, your Beacon program where you extend the curriculum or the horizons mm. of the students with exposing them to other uh, issues would be very good. So, uh, you know, programs where you bring a student uh, or fund a student to go and experience something they normally wouldn't have a chance to experience, like an overseas internship, for example, uh, that is, uh, they can do uh, to get a different view of uh, of a different health system, yeah. and also where they can experience, uh, um, you know, a new way of thinking, a new environment that will really help open and broaden the horizon for the students. And and finally, I think, um, you know, in Singapore we are very fortunate in many ways. Um, but uh, and our and you know we want to be able to share that, that fortune with the rest of Asia. And I think if you can support uh, programs where either we bring uh, people from overseas, mm. uh, from the region to Singapore, between, or send our people over there, this will then really spread the knowledge uh, and, and, you know, so that we can share that, that, uh, the, 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 the wonderful health systems that we have uh, more broadly. I think, right. and, and we learned from COVID that, you, uh, no one is safe until everyone is safe, right? Correct. So even if you are happy and healthy and safe in, in Singapore, if our surrounding countries are not, uh, we, the problems will come to us. So I think it's important that we take an approach that everybody needs to uh, work together and, uh, you know, and, and be safe together. That's very much aligned with our mission in Tanoto Foundation, actually. Yes. Uh, we believe very much that uh, you know, people should not have uh, difficulties in achieving their potential. Uh, so our work actually is through the quality education because we believe that quality education actually is equal opportunity and then that's how, how, how we work. Thank you, Yabseng, uh, and I wish you well. Thank you, Satrio. Uh, it's been a great pleasure uh, speaking with you. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't said it yet, but I think uh, what I really like to do is to thank the Tanon Foundation for all the support you've given us uh, and to everybody else. It's support that is uh, very much needed uh, and very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Unlocking Potential. We will meet again, and until then, stay safe, stay healthy. That was Unlocking Potential, brought to you by Tanoto Foundation, an independent philanthropic organization founded on the belief that every person should have the opportunity to realize his or her full potential. Tanoto Foundation runs and supports a range of education projects in Indonesia and China and funds medical research in Singapore into diseases endemic in Asia. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify or search for Tanoto Foundation on YouTube. And for more on Tanoto Foundation, please visit tanotofoundation.org.